Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. together stand for the reading of the word. This is my actually one of my favorite parts of the service. I like that we stand to honor the word. We are in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Um, if you have a digital Bible or a paper Bible, you can follow along. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, let's pray. Lord, I pray for everybody here uh, in this room, online. Lord, I'm just praying that all of us would receive and experience your fullness, the fullness of God that Paul just prayed about and talked about. Lord, I pray that we would receive this prayer from Paul centuries of years ago, and God, that your love, the power of your love would be alive and at work in our life, that it would be the foundation of our life, that we would be rooted and grounded in your love so that we can not just experience your love, but God, so we can be people who know your love, who walk in your love. Lord, I pray this for every single one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can have a seat. One, before I dive into the word, uh, just share a fun little win for us as a church. This last Wednesday, we hosted in this room LeaderCast. LeaderCast is the largest one-day leadership conference on the globe. And so we had a simulcast location here. It's the only one in our area here. And so it's kind of cool that we were able to do that and host like, 30 business leaders and people here, just kind of rub shoulders with them. It was a really cool conference. I took some great notes, learned a lot. But I just love that our church is a part of the community. We're connecting with the community. We're serving our community, even in ways like this. This is a fun partnership with the North Phoenix Chamber of Commerce. We're able to, to do that. So it happened right here this last Wednesday. I just share that just to kind of, it's just a fun win for us as a church. And I'll just say thank you for all the prayers. Uh, for those of you who knew that we were struggling with, with the COVID and I just appreciate that you guys prayed for us, and uh, we've, we've made it. We're, 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 we're back, finally, and uh, we, had a, we went to Orlando, and all we did was sit in a hotel room until we came back because of COVID. So that was, that was fun and, and miserable. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. I love what God is doing here. It's such an interesting season in our world and in our country still. 
yet God's on the move. God's on the move in this place, in, in this church, in our city, and I'm just uh, believing and praying for more. And there's a calling that you and I all have. I want you to, to be very clear in understanding this. You have a calling to experience the love of God. Do you know that? You have a calling to not just experience, but to know the love of God. So it's not just like a, I intellectually know about it because I read about it in God's book, and so I understand it, but I know intimately, I understand, I experience the presence of God. This is the calling you have. And that's why I love this series we've been in called Love Different. Because the goal is that you and I would be people who love differently than the world. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if you and I experience and know the love of God. That's why I love Paul's prayer there, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. I'm praying for that, uh, that for you, that that would be your heart, your soul, rooted and grounded in love. It's the, uh, that, that God's love would be the foundation of your heart and your soul. That God's love would be central in everything in your life. I pray that for you. I pray that for us, that God's love would be central for everything. In fact, Jesus said that we would be known by, by love. This is the one thing we'd be known by is love. And so if we're going to be known by love, we've got to be people who are just giving love extravagantly, even differently than how the world is, is seeing love. And so we need God's help for, with this, don't we? Because we struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes we're not so good at this loving thing, right? Sometimes we're really good at this being annoyed at other people kind of a thing. Do you ever get there throughout the week? We can be really good at being a little bit judgmental or a lot. We can be really good at maybe finding ourselves excelling, not in love as much as we'd like, but maybe excelling in just I'm kind of comparing myself to them. Am I better than them? They're better than me. I'm better than them. I'm glad I'm not them. And sometimes we might think those things. We'd never say it, but we might think it. We get caught up sometimes in just looking down on other people. Um, not wanting to associate with people, and even being really angry and upset at other people instead of loving them. We can go there, can't we? Why is that? Why does that happen? Is that, does that frustrate you? Does that make you upset sometimes? Like, okay, I know I'm called to do this, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I feel it, and sometimes I don't. So what's, what's the deal? What's going on? And it's, life just has a way of hitting us. Have you noticed? Life can throw curveballs. Uh, it's just something about life that it can be hard sometimes. See, I don't know everything about your life. I don't know all your details of, of your life, all that you have gone through, are going through. But I do know this about you. Even those of you that are with us online, listening online, I know this about your life because this is one of the things that we share in common. Every single one of us have this one thing in common, and that is you've been hurt. It's happened because of life. You've been hurt. And that's something that we have in common, unfortunately. But it's a part of life. It's amazing how out of that hurt, sometimes we can find ourselves not really loving people well. So I want to talk about how we respond to hurt today, because if we're going to love different, it's, it's so important that you and I learn how to handle hurt. 
Have you ever heard that phrase, hurt people, hurt people? Maybe you've been that person. I know I have. And it's amazing how we can unintentionally, even unconsciously, find ourselves in this place where out of this hurt that I'm carrying, I end up hurting other people. And oftentimes, it's the people closest to me that I love the most. I just hurt other people out of my hurt. Hurt people do hurt people. Seen it, felt it, been there before. And when hurt happens in our life, there's really one of two, two ways we can respond. One of two things can happen. When you get hurt, and again, we've all been hurt, and we're all going to be hurt. There's two ways you and I can respond. Number one, we could get better, or number two, we could get bitter. We can get better from it, or we can get bitter. And it is possible for you and I to actually grow through hurt in our life. None of us likes it. None of us wants it. It's not fair. It's one of those things that causes us to kind of maybe throw up our arms sometimes. We get upset. We can kind of wallow in it. And we don't, like, why does this happen? But here's the deal. It's life. It's people. You're going to do it. And you're going to experience it. And so if you and I aren't careful, we can wallow in our hurt. We can hold on to it. And we can get bitter. We can allow that hurt to get worse and worse and worse on the inside. Or we can allow the love of God, the grace of God, to work in our heart and bring healing. We can get better from hurt. Yeah, that's, the, that's the power of God. That's what I love about God, if we let him. But when we get bitter, what we're doing, in a sense, is we are holding on to things that we shouldn't hold on to, and we are not releasing this thing called forgiveness. How are you doing with the hurt in your life? You holding on to it? Is it growing inside of you and getting worse? Or are you releasing forgiveness? Forgiveness. I want to talk about forgiveness today and the power of forgiveness because this is one of the big things that holds you and I back from loving people well and actually living out this love different thing. You know, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew Chapter 6, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It's been, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But right in the middle, he has this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard of the Lord's Prayer before. And right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, verse 12, Jesus says this, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So it kind of makes sense, that first part of that sentence there. You know, as we're praying to God, Jesus is saying, okay, this is how you can pray, you know. And then he gets to this place where it's like, okay, God, forgive me. Forgive me my debts. Forgive me of my sins. Okay, that makes sense. We want to pray that prayer. And then Jesus also adds into that same sentence there this assumption that we're also forgiving other people. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The two have to take place in our life. We love receiving the forgiveness of God. Oh, we love his grace. His grace is amazing, isn't it? But it's important that we're also our people of grace, givers of grace and forgiveness. And so it's part of the Lord's prayer. It's how he's teaching us to, to pray and to live. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
The Lord's Prayer stops right there typically, but Jesus goes on to say a few other things about forgiveness. It's almost as if like, hey, there's one part of the Lord's Prayer that I really need to highlight here because you got to get this. And he says some pretty straight up stuff. This is pretty harsh. Listen to this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Like, that's like one of those like, what the what? Like God, that doesn't sound like a, a loving heavenly Father who has full, is full of grace and wants to forgive and all this. Like Jesus is saying some pretty straight up words here, wouldn't you say? If you don't forgive other people, your heavenly Father won't forgive you. Why would you say such a thing, Lord? Why, why, why would you do that? I think there's several aspects here that if you and I, if you and I are gonna struggle to give forgiveness, then we're really also gonna struggle to receive it. And if we're gonna struggle to, to give forgiveness, then why should we even receive something so freely from God? But also, I think it goes deeper than that because God knows that if we hold on to unforgiveness, it is hurting us. And so we've got to, if we're really going to experience the power of the grace and the forgiveness of God, we have to be people who are also giving it and giving it away. And I think then we really learn, too, uh, the, the power of receiving God's grace and forgiveness as we give it. And so Jesus is saying this for our benefit. He's like, I know what's best for you. Don't hold in bitterness. Don't be a person of unforgiveness. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And I, I wonder if uh, Peter was thinking about these words of Jesus when, you know, later on, a year or two later, uh, Peter asked Jesus, okay, so let's talk about this forgiveness thing. Like, how many times should we forgive people? Because there's probably a limit, right, Jesus? There's got to be a limit, especially if they keep hurting you and keep hurting, like seriously, right? And so Matthew 18, verse 21, then Peter came to, to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Most translations will say 70 times seven, which is just a fun math equation for you to try to solve, right? And so... They were taught, Jews were taught, that you should give, forgive people three times. Forgive them three times. And so Peter, in this statement, he's probably feeling like super generous and super spiritual. So like Jesus, should we give, forgive people like seven times? He's probably thinking, I'm going way out on a limb here. Because this is like more than double what we've been taught. Like, so probably like seven times, right? Jesus, that's like, that's like your number, right? That's like God's number and all that. So like, let me just throw that one out there. And Jesus is like, no. And he throws out a math equation. And it wasn't a math equation for us to solve. The point is this, and the hearers would understand this. There's no limit. Infinite amount of times is how many times you should forgive. Don't ever stop forgiving. And then, as Jesus often does, he goes on to share a great story. He shares a parable. So let's read this parable about forgiveness. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and since he was 
not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went, out, uh, went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called, out, uh, called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. See, Jesus knows this is a hard issue. And something happens within our heart if we do not release that forgiveness, that it will grow, it will fester, it will get sick like a disease, eating us, killing us, affecting us from the inside out. Forgiveness is a heart issue. And I pray that you and I would excel or grow in forgiveness. Because sometimes that's where we've got to start. Just, just growing, taking some steps. I'll never forget when I learned this in really a, probably the first time in my life in a very powerful, important way. About 15 years ago, Amy and I were on staff at my home church, the church I grew up in. And we went through a pastoral transition. New pastor came in. And unfortunately, a lot of people got really upset with this pastor. They didn't like some of his decisions, and, and so people started saying all this stuff, and they were upset about this, and all this gossip's going on. You know, maybe you've heard about these types of things happening within church before. It got, it was ugly. It was, it was really messing me up. I, I was really, really bothered by what I was seeing from Christians, and so much of it was just stupid, petty, dumb things where someone got just offended by something. And then once you know, 10 people are offended, even though he only maybe offended one person and they should have worked it out and all this. And because of the gossip and taking up other people's offenses, one person was upset because he smiled too much, the pastor did. And he knew this other pastor that smiled a lot but made bad decisions. And so he was really mad because this guy smiled. And that was one of his beefs. And I'm like, some of this was stupid. And this faction, this division, unfortunately grew a little bit in our church. So much so that we had to have these major big meetings to kind of deal with issues and address stuff. And once you know, unfortunately, one of the pastors on staff was one of the guys leading the charge. And he kind of became the poster child for all of this. And uh, that pastor on staff was my best friend that I grew up with. And so within a year of us coming together, like we're on staff, serving at a church together, just it was this fun, like we're going to have so much fun together. It's going to be awesome. Within a year, like he is mad and bitter and upset, and he's leading a whole bunch of people away from our church. They decided we don't like this church. They, they felt like this church was going under. It's, it's, it's going to 
It's, it's a sinking ship is what they said. And so we're going to go start our own church, a better church. Unfortunately, the thing they had in common was they were all mad at a pastor, mad at another church. And so they formed a church out of bitterness, which is not a good foundation for any church or ministry, by the way, in case you're wondering. The sad truth of that is, you know, things founded on bitterness just get worse. And so it was fine for a little while, but that church didn't last. It imploded. It, it just it went bad because of bitterness. For me, though, as, as things broke away and went through that season, I found myself in this place where I was struggling. I felt so betrayed by friends, by people who were my Sunday school teachers that did all this stuff, things I would never think that Christians would do. But this is, why, this is why it's important for us to talk about this, friends, because the power of bitterness will cause us to do things we never thought we would do. And our hearts can all go there. I was struggling. I was hurt. My commute from my house to my church, uh, to the church office, was uh, driving by my friend's house every single day. And so every single day I was confronted with, there he is, there he is. And I had these conversations in my mind. Maybe you've been there. When you're mad at somebody, when you got bitterness growing inside, like you have these conversations in your mind, and this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send this email, you know, and this is growing inside of me. And I am constantly having angry conversations. And after a while, uh, it started affecting other people. About six months later, I never forget this conversation Amy basically sat me down, and she's like shaking me. She's like, what is up with you? What is going on inside of you? You're struggling. You're you're, you're not well. And I realized for the first time, I didn't realize this. This is amazing how bitterness was taking root in my heart, and I had no idea. And I began to open up and share, like, okay, I'm having these conversations every day, and I'm doing this, I'm thinking this, and, and she's like, I'd be struggling too if I had those conversations every single day. She's like, you need to stop. And it was the beginning of healing and freedom for me where I had to learn to forgive. I had no desire to forgive. Isn't that amazing about forgiveness? Sometimes it's like, I, that's the last thing I want to do because they deserve whatever, right? And I want to forgive them, and then so... My, it's, it's amazing how like our unforgiveness feels like I'm getting back at them. I'm getting even at them. But you ever heard, you ever heard that phrase about unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die? I'm just hurting myself. I'm holding on this unforgiveness thinking I'll show them. And inside it's killing me, not that other person. And I had to learn and go through this process of like, I got to forgive I got to release this. I got to let this, this is killing me. And as I released forgiveness, I realized that I was freeing a prisoner. And that prisoner was me. Because I was in prison because of unforgiveness in my heart. And I didn't even realize that I'd allowed myself to get there. It can happen to any of us. This is why it's so important that we are rooted and grounded, not in bitterness, but in the love of God. We need his love. Came across this really cool story years ago. A powerful story of forgiveness that I think will really speak to you and speak to your heart. So I want you to go ahead and watch this. We got it on video here. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. 
Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Mm -hmm, thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, thank a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience so of one. Steve Hartman, yes, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. Forgiveness stories like that are pretty inspiring, powerful. And the truth is, sometimes the hardest person for you and I to forgive is ourselves, though. And I just want to encourage you today to accept and receive the grace of God for yourself. If that's what you needed to hear, if you need to learn to forgive yourself, you can do it with God's help, with his grace. Regardless, it's so important that you and I are people of forgiveness. And even as we, as we talk about this today, maybe there's some people that you're thinking about like, okay, I gotta forgive, I gotta forgive. This is such an important 
thing for you and I continue to grow in as human beings and especially as followers of Jesus because here's the deal. You can feel like you're doing good with this and when season life and all of a sudden it creeps back up and now you gotta do it all over again. It's like I gotta relearn everything that I thought I learned because you're gonna be hurt. You could be hurt again this week and I pray there'd be someone of forgiveness. Release that forgiveness. And so I think it's important for you to understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Because sometimes we have these misbeliefs about forgiveness that can hold us back from being someone who forgives and lets this go. So I want to give you a, a list of things that forgiveness is and things that forgiveness isn't, just for clarification. You may struggle to keep up taking notes. If you're taking notes, we'll post this on Facebook so you can look at this later on and have this later on. But here it is. Ten things forgiveness is. Number one, it is a choice. You just got to choose. You got to start right there. I choose to forgive. Number two, it is a learned and trainable skill. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to be perfect at it. You can grow in this. It is possible. Number two, or number, number three, it, forgiveness is getting control over your feelings. Don't wait till you feel like forgiving and then start forgiving. Because oftentimes the feeling will never come. So this is gaining control over my feelings. My feelings will not dictate a right choice in my life. I have to forgive. Number four, forgiveness is canceling a debt owed to you. Canceling that debt, just like Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Okay, God, forgive me my debts and my sins, as I am also doing the same for other people. Number five, forgiveness is removing the control that the offender has over you. You realize that. You're removing that control. They've already hurt you. Don't let them continue to hurt you anymore. Let it go. Speak that forgiveness. Number six, forgiveness is giving a gift to yourself and to your offender because you're able to move on. Number seven, forgiveness is leaving revenge and justice in God's hands. And this is where we can struggle, right? Like, this is why we don't forgive. I want to get back. I want to get even. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I read it in the scripture. I just want to be about the Lord's business. I just got to help the Lord a little bit with his vengeance. Okay, so God, I'm going to be your tool of vengeance against this person. No, no, it's God's work. It's his ministry. So I leave the revenge and the justice in God's hands, and I speak that forgiveness. Number eight. It's an ongoing process. Please understand that. You're gonna have to forgive, forgive, forgive again, and again, and again, and it is ongoing. How many times did Jesus ask us to pray? 70 times seven, which is not a math equation, but is a phrase for keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Number nine, forgiveness is the beginning of healing. Come on, amen to that. It is the beginning of healing. Number, number 10, forgiveness is wanting good for your offender. When your heart gets there, then you know, okay, I'm, I'm in a good place of, in this forgiveness thing. But it is, that's, that's, that's the goal. I want good for my offender. Okay, so seven things forgiveness is not. It's important we understand this as well. Forgiveness is not denying or diminishing the sin and the hurt. Sometimes we feel like, okay, if, so if I forgive, then I'm saying it's not a big deal. No. 
It is a big deal. We're recognizing that. That's why forgiveness needs to take place. Jesus had to go to the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven of our sins. Sin is a big deal. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling or condoning the sin either. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just doing what I'm asked to do, what I need to do for myself and what Jesus called me to. I'm forgiving. But I, in that, then I'm not going to enable. I'm not condoning this at all. Number three, forgiveness is not a response to an apology because the apology may never come. Don't wait for an apology in order to forgive. Just forgive. Forgiveness number uh, four is not covering up crimes committed against us. It's like, okay, so sometimes people struggle with this. Okay, so if I forgive, then we just gotta kind of like sweep it under the carpet. No. Sometimes we forgive and we have to call the authorities. We gotta call the police. We gotta deal with this. Number five, forgiveness is not forgetting. Oh, you know, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. You know, you may never forget. You can be healed, though, still. A healed memory is not necessarily a deleted memory. Just, it just means that I, I, I know it happened, but it no longer hurts me anymore. And then uh, number six, forgiveness is not trust. Does this mean I have to trust them? No, trust has been broken. Trust takes time to, earn, to, to grow. You gotta earn trust. Trust can be lost in an instant, but it takes time, right? So if that's happened in relationship, this doesn't mean I, now I have to automatically trust, but I can still forgive. And number seven, forgiveness is not reconciliation with the offender. Now I say pray for that and believe for that, but reconciliation takes two people. And there may never be reconciliation. So I think Paul says, as best as possible, be at peace with everybody because he understands it's not always going to be possible. You want that reconciliation? That's great. I believe God wants reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, but it still may not ever happen. Don't wait for that in order to forgive. So forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation with the offender. So I just think those are some good things for us to understand in regards to what it is and what it isn't because sometimes what it isn't and or even what it is can hold us back from like, I can't, I can't because, I can't because. Or we can even find ourselves in this place where we're just like, you don't know how badly they hurt me. And I get that, I get that. But you can still forgive, no matter what it is. You can forgive for the sake of you, for the sake of you and your future, and the people around you, you can forgive. I've got a friend named Kevin, Kevin Ramsby. I met him several years ago. I go to this mentorship thing every other year in Atlanta, and he's a part of this mentorship group, and he's a pastor. He was a pastor in Detroit, inner city Detroit at the time. And when he shared this story with the group, it just wrecked me. His wife and kids were at uh, her parents' house, so they were away. He was home alone. And he woke up in the middle of the night, someone breaking into his house. And so he went downstairs to try to scare the person, get out of my house, get out of here, you know. And that guy attacked him and began to, had a knife and began to stab him. Proceeded to stab him 37 times, head to toe. Left him, he's laying on the kitchen floor. He says, my, my innards were all out. And I'm just thinking this is it. 
And as he's laying on the kitchen floor, he's, he's praying, God, be with my kids and my family and my wife. And he sensed the Spirit of God say, they still need you. And he says, Some, somehow, something inside of me, it's like God helped me. He's like, I grabbed my body and put it together and crawled and made my way to my neighbor's house who called the ambulance, rushed me to the hospital, emergency surgery, put me back together again, and he survived this. But can you imagine surviving in a horrific experience like that? 37 times, stabbed all over the place. I mean, he saw scars on his face because of it. All over his body. Not just the physical trauma, but the emotional, the the. The mental trauma, can you imagine that? They caught that guy who broke into his house and he was able to go to the court, to the courtroom where this guy was gonna be on trial. He says, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but I went because I wanted to show God's love. And he went and his statement was essentially, I forgive you. As he looked at this guy who almost killed him left him for dead, and he forgave. This is another one of those powerful reminders, guys, that it is possible, no matter what you and I go through. Maybe you've never experienced something crazy traumatic like that, but you've experienced some tremendous hurt from people, tremendous betrayal from people. I want you to know that God loves you, and he wants to help you release that forgiveness just speak that out and let it go. You don't have to carry it anymore. This is why we need God's love. We need his help. And so I pray that God's love would be what your heart and your soul is rooted and grounded in. The foundation of your life would be the love of God, not bitterness, not anything else, not that hurt. I'm letting it go. I'm letting God's love be the foundation of my life. And I love that prayer from Paul in Ephesians 3, I love these words. He goes on to say this in, in the next chapter, Ephesians 4. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think that's a very important phrase in Scripture for you and I. A very important thing for us to grow in in our life is learning how to not grieve the Holy Spirit who is alive inside of us. I think one of the big things that grieves the Holy Spirit is when we have unforgiveness inside of us that will grieve the Spirit of God. Verse 31, Paul goes on to say this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Okay, let it go. Get rid of it. It doesn't belong in you. He says this, be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Why do we forgive one another? Because we've been forgiven. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Anybody thankful for the grace and the forgiveness of God in their life? He has forgiven you of everything. Maybe you've never received his grace and forgiveness. Today's the day you can receive his grace for everything you've ever done, every sin, every rebellion, every wrong thing. His grace is bigger than all of that. 
And today's a day for you to say yes to the grace and forgiveness of God. So many of us are so thankful that we've received that, we have experienced that, and out of that, we want to freely give. In fact, I think the person who cannot forgive has forgotten what they've been forgiven of. If I'm struggling to forgive, I have forgotten of how much I have been forgiven of. Don't forget, don't take for granted the grace and the forgiveness of God in your life. Jesus has forgiven us. Not only did he teach us this, he modeled it. One of the most, I think, profound moments of Jesus' life was the moment he's hanging on the cross and he's looking down at the people that are crucifying and killing him. I mean, think about it. And so what we're gonna do, how we're gonna end here this morning is we're actually gonna go to communion. We're gonna go to the Lord's table and we're gonna receive communion together today. And we're gonna remember the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus through the power of his work on the cross. And we're gonna do that all together today. I think it's gonna be a very uh, appropriate day to do that. Think about all that Jesus went through for you. I mean, he was brutally beaten and whipped and lashed and just beat up and then hammered to a cross and elevated in front of everybody, humiliated. They mocked him. It says in Luke 23, it says, when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, catch these words, picture Jesus hanging from the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, at one point that was us. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just living in our selfishness, our sin, our pride. We were just living in rebellion against God, doing our own thing. We did not know, and aren't you thankful that even then Jesus like, forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And in this moment, Jesus is hanging from the cross and he looks at those killing him and forgives. It's just another story and illustration that shows you and I, guys, it's possible. No matter what anybody has done to you, no matter how badly or deeply you've been hurt, you can forgive. It's possible. And I want to encourage you to be a person of forgiveness. Practice this in your life. Don't let it rob you of the freedom that Jesus has for you. Oh, it's not easy, friends. It may be a long time before you even feel like forgiving but it's worth it. It's so important. So I've got a couple next steps I wanna encourage you with here as we move forward. As we, we talk about this, we think about this today, maybe there's some people that are coming to mind like, I've got to forgive, I've got to forgive, I've got to do this. And I want you to know that God wants to help you right where you're at with that. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. It is there to help you forgive. And for many of you, this might not be easy. But forgive, begin to speak that forgiveness. Let go, release that forgiveness. The next thing I want to encourage you to do is I really strongly urge, and I'm calling everybody as a part of Rivers Church to come together next month for Freedom Conference. And we'll hit this topic again along with several other topics. I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to experience freedom. 
And so join us. And I'm calling everybody. Friday night, Saturday morning, afternoon, it's all it is. September, what does it say, 17th and 18th on the screen there? Okay, put that in your calendar now. Calling the whole church. I want you to get into a group so that you can grow. But first things first, everyone go to Freedom Conference. Everybody. And I promise you, it will be so worth it. It'll be just another step of you and I growing in things like forgiveness and other things. Here's what I've learned. We can't just talk about this on one Sunday and say, hey, this whole forgiveness thing, I got it down. I'm good. Nailed it. What's next, Lord? This is something, again, you could be hurt this week and you gotta practice this thing all over again, right? It's like, I'm down at ground zero again. And I was like, what? I wanna keep growing in this. And so, Freedom Conference, and maybe you'll be a part of the Freedom Course, which you can go deeper and study and forgiveness and some other things to enable you to walk in freedom. We wanna to continue to grow in this. This is not just a, a one-time, one-Sunday kind of a thing. I want you to grow in this. It's a good follow-up to CR Sunday, to Celebrate Recovery Center too. And maybe some of you need to get involved in Celebrate Recovery this fall, which starts right after the Freedom Conference. I just want you to do what you need to do to grow and to experience the freedom that Jesus has for you. That's my heart. And so that's why I really encourage us. Okay, let's do this. Let's do a Freedom Conference all together. And now let's end by going to communion, to the Lord's Supper. And there is a communion cup in front of, in front of you and all the chairs. If you're at home, feel free to go grab a piece of bread, some juice or something to drink, and you can join us as we do this all together. But I want us to take a moment right now. We're gonna just close our eyes because, and we'll go to 1 Corinthians 11. I'll read this. But Paul talks about examining yourself. Before we go to this, let's examine ourselves. You know, as humans, we can be really good at examining other people. Right? You ever notice that? So, so I love that Paul's encouragement here. Let's examine ourselves. Let's do a little heart searching here. And before we go to this, because we don't want to take this in an unworthy manner, not that we have to be worthy to do this, but we can do it in an unworthy way where we're just taking for granted the grace and the love of God. We don't want to take for granted this. And so God, is there anything in me that I need to let go of, that I need to ask for forgiveness for? Do I need to forgive somebody else? Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're online, you're joining us either way, and you're, you're ready to ask for forgiveness from Jesus for your sins so that you can receive what we're gonna do as a remembrance of the power of the cross and what Jesus did for us. You can receive this in a worthy way where you, you're in relationship with God. So close your eyes right now. Everyone, let's just take a moment. Let's close our eyes. We're gonna just allow the Spirit to speak to us. He's already been doing it for so many of us, but maybe speak that forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for some things. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for the first time of the sin in your life, not trusting in God, and right now you're gonna put all your trust in Him. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power of the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.